It's actually random. Bonus. It started with a family member making a fortune thanks to the invention of a now popular business item used in offices in the United States and around the world. The son of said family member opted to pursue a dream in music. During this dream, he would put on a green wool hat and become part of pop culture for years to come. The family name in question, Nesmith. Hello, welcome to a very special edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album so you can keep up to date on future episodes as well as music news and everything in between. Well, this past week, we lost a big name in pop music. Well, not just pop music, but rock and even country as well. On December 10th, Michael Nesmith passed away at the age of 78 due to heart failure. The loss has affected millions of Monkees fans around the world, including now surviving member Mickey Dolenz, who is still deeply heartbroken from the news that was announced this week. And I knew that he had some health issues for the last few years, but I never would have guessed it, especially when I saw him in concert a couple of years ago. The man was still able to deliver vocally live, even as he was pushing into his 80s. And Mike Nesmith, no matter what you've read about him or what you've heard about him, it needs to be said, Mike Nesmith will go down in history, not only as one of the members of the biggest pop bands of the 60s that to this day has a huge, hugely devoted fan base, but a very underappreciated songwriter and an influencer long before social media was even considered a possibility. So during this episode, I will talk about, well, I'll talk about it in the brief history of Mike Nesmith, about his ideas for MTV before it even became a possibility, as well as producing one of many popular videos in the 1980s, all of which I'll be talking about throughout this presentation. And he was also an executive producer and writer for a couple of cult classics that you might have watched religiously back in the day, too. So as you're going to find out, there's more to Mike Nesmith than just a wool hat and bubblegum pop music that made the band so popular, and him, well, a huge success. Uh, In addition to all these fun facts, I will be counting down my top 10 favorite Mike Nesmith songs of all time. Now, as far as the details for this goes, I'm not just counting songs that he wrote when he was in the Monkees. I'm also including songs that he wrote for himself for his solo career with the First National Band, but also songs that he wrote for other people that you might not have realized was written by Mike Nesmith. So I hope you will continue this journey with me on this week's episode, this week's random bonus episode. And before we go any further, you know what it's time for. A brief, and I use that term loosely for this particular episode, a brief history on Michael Nesmith. 
Born on December 30th, 1942, Robert Michael Nesmith was an American musician, songwriter, actor, producer, and novelist. He was best known as a member of the pop rock band The Monkees and co-star of the TV series of the same name, which ran from 1966 to 1968. His songwriting credits include Different Drum, which became a hit for Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies in 1968. After the breakup of the Monkees, Nesmith continued his successful songwriting and performing career, first with the seminal country rock group, The First National Band, with whom he had a top 40 hit, Joanne, and then as a solo artist. He often played a custom-built Gretsch 12-string electric with the Monkees and afterwards. In the early 1980s, he was asked to help produce and create MTV, but had prior commitments with his production company, Pacific Arts. In 1981, he won the very first Grammy Award for Video of the Year for his hour-long television show, Elephant Parts, which is a cult classic to this very day. Speaking of cult classics, he was also an executive producer of the film Repo Man from 1984. After a tour of duty in the Air Force, Nesmith's mother and stepfather gave him a guitar for Christmas. Learning as he went, he played solo and in a series of working bands performing folk, country, and occasionally rock and roll. He enrolled in San Antonio College where he met John London and began a musical collaboration in which they won the first San Antonio College Talent Award, performing a mixture of standard folk songs and a few of Nesmith's original songs. Nesmith would then begin to write more songs and poetry before moving to Los Angeles and began singing in folk clubs around the city. He served as Hootmaster for the Monday Night Hootenanny at the Troubadour, which is a West Hollywood nightclub that featured new artists. Randy Sparks from the folk group New Christy Minstrels offered Nesmith a publishing deal for his songs, and Barry Friedman told him about upcoming auditions for a new TV series called The Monkees. In October of 1965, Nesmith landed the role as the wool hat-wearing guitar player Mike in the show, which required real-life musical talent for writing, playing, singing, and performing in live concerts as part of the band. The Monkees television series aired from 1966 to 1968 and would develop a cult following for the last 50 years. In addition to his music, as I had mentioned, he won the first Grammy for Video of the Year for Elephant Parts. During this time, Nesmith would create a video clip for the song Rhea, which helped spur Nesmith's creation of a TV program called Pop Clips for the Nickelodeon Cable Network. In 1980, Pop Clips was sold to the Time Warner Amex Consortium, which then developed Pop Clips into the MTV Network. After the success of Elephant Parts winning a Grammy in 1982, it would spawn a short-lived series on NBC called Michael Nesmith in Television Parts. Despite critical acclaim and introducing viewers to unknown talent at the time, such as Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Whoopi Goldberg, and Arsenio Hall, and having the cush spot of airing right after Cheers on Thursday nights, the half-hour show only ran for eight episodes before being canceled in September of 1985. Nesmith was the executive producer for films Repo Man, Tape Heads, and Time Rider, The Adventure of Lyle Swan, as well as his own solo recording and film projects. 
1998, Nesmith published his first novel, The Long Sandy Hair of Neptune Zamora, which was developed originally as an online project and later published as a hardcover book by St. Martin's Press. Nesmith's second novel, The America Gene, was released in July 2009 as an online download from VideoRanch.com, which was ran by Mike Nesmith and family. Nesmith was married three times, four children, two of which are members of Nesmith's band during the Mike and Mickey show tour, Christian and Jonathan. Christian born in 65, Jonathan born in 1968. And when the Monkees TV series ended in 1968, Nesmith enrolled part-time at the University of California, Los Angeles, where he studied American history as well as music history. In 1973, Nesmith founded the Countryside Records label with Jack Holtzman, the founder of Electra Records. In 1974, Nesmith started Pacific Arts Records and released what he called a book with a soundtrack titled The Prison as the company's first release. Other, other books that were released were in 2017, Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff, which was naturally an autobiography written by Mike Nesmith, and so many accomplishments. Music videos they directed in the 80s include All Night Long by Lionel Richie and The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson. Nesmith was forced to cancel the last four dates of his 2018 tour with Mickey Dolenz due to a minor health scare. In an interview with Rolling Stone published on July 26th that same year, Nesmith said that he had undergone quadruple bypass heart surgery and had been hospitalized for over a month. Nesmith died from heart failure at his home in Carmel Valley, California on December 10th, 2021 at the age of 78, just 20 days before his 79th birthday. Dolans would memorialize Nesmith as, quote, a dear friend and partner. And I think we can all agree Mike Nesmith is going to be missed for many years to come. And that's a brief history and some facts about Mike Nesmith. What do you say we get into the rankings? As I said before, not all songs on this list are going to be Monkey's tunes. I will be including his solo work, his time with First National Band, and songs he has written for other artists. And nothing is going to be ignored, well, despite the fact that this is a top 10 list. Uh, it's This was really difficult to think of when even when I was doing the Monkey's episode that uh, you heard a few weeks ago. Uh, it was really tough to narrow it down to 10. Uh, I figured I had an idea long before Nesmith's passing and after this most recent news. I think I was able to figure it out. But again, this was not a very easy list. So if your favorite didn't make the cut, all I can say is I'm sorry. So let's get right into it. If you've heard my Monkeys podcast you know that I am a big fan of the Trios albums from 1969 that consisted of Mickey Dolenz, Davy Jones, and Mike Nesmith. And it's so weird just 
listening to instant replay and the monkeys present knowing that out of that particular lineup, Mickey Dolenz is now the only surviving member of that band. So listening to those trios albums now have been, despite only being a few days since his passing, have been very difficult to listen to. But that's what's going to kick off my top 10 list. And I decided to go with my number 10 pick being from the Instant Replay album. I went with While I Cry. They told me what you'd do If I ever stayed with you They told me that you'd laugh While I This was part of the Nashville recording sessions during the time of the recording of this album. And this one, along with Don't Wait For Me, which in all honesty was very tough to decide between those two. But I think I decided to, but I, I, I went with While I Cry, mainly because this was pretty much the sound that Nesmith was going towards and leaning towards. At the time, he wasn't very happy with his... Uh, place in the band anymore and Peter Torque had already quit by the time Instant Replay had come out but I felt the three songs that were included on Instant Replay he, his voice is on point for those three songs the I Won't Be the Same Without Her which was a hit in Australia by a band called The Apple Jacks Don't Wait For Me as I mentioned earlier and talked about when discussing Instant Replay but While I Cry just showed that Nesmith's voice was meant for country. In fact, just listening to Nesmith playing guitar and that sad country voice, I realized that despite the fact that uh, there are so many country artists out there, if I was to put create a list of my favorite country artists, Mike Nesmith would definitely be high up on that list, probably in my top three. But that's another episode for another time. While I Cry was just basically, a, it's a breakup song. And it's pretty clear that the love interest in this song had been cheating on her, uh, cheating on him, excuse me. And it's just, it's a sad country song. I mean, just listening to the lyrics about how Nesmith had been warned she's going to cause him heartbreak, she's going to cause him trouble, she's going to humiliate him. I mean, the lyrics, now I think back on those times I didn't read between the lines, how all the things that you said never seemed to match the things you did. It's, I mean, it's basically your standard sad country song about a cheating lover. But his voice is just so incredible and when he hits that falsetto when he gets the line time spent with you has brought me something and i've lost nothing if you are that kind and when he hits that high note when he says kind the word kind you really feel his pain in this song and this is probably the most unmonkey song on the album mainly because it was just nesmith doing the recording without his bandmates the the results from the national recordings were a sign that it was time for Nesmith to move on. And 
the last verse on here of while i cry they told me what you do if i ever stayed with you and sure enough it all came true it was just basically a case of damn why didn't i listen but hey as we all know love makes you do crazy things we've all been there and nesmith nailed it on the head with this particular song and it is definitely one of his best in my humble opinion and definitely one of my favorite songs off the Instant Replay album. And, and I know I started with a somber tune. It's time to move to an angry tune, if you will. And since this is my list, I'm going to be cheating myself quite a bit on this list. I'm going to include versions of songs that were not included on studio albums until much later when special edition reissues and deluxe editions came out. So again, my list, my rules. Coming in at number nine, I opted for the live version of the song Circle Sky, which was featured on the soundtrack to the 1968 box office flop, but soon to be a cult classic, Head. And this is just basically what started as just random poetry coming out of uh, Nesmith's pen. When you really get down to it, it seemed to be a protest song in sheep's clothing, especially with the times that were happening, with everything that was happening in 1968. And the lyrical content just really hit home to people around that time frame. As I said, the original version can be found on the Head soundtrack. This would be re-recorded for 1996's Just Us, which was decent, but an unnecessary reworking. But you can't really feel the effect of Circle Sky unless you hear the live version of it. There's just no way around it. It's, it sounds more intriguing in a live setting. And you can feel the effects. The, there is live concert footage of them singing Circle Sky in the head movie itself. And the visual, the imagery afterwards when, they done, when they're done playing the song and the fans rush up to the stage ripping off the hair, the arms, because don't worry, the monkeys are mannequins during that scene. But that particular version of Circle Sky is just so impactful especially with odd lyrics like Hamilton smiling down. Here I stand happy man. It's, I mean, it's random poetry, but with the imagery included in the movie head with the, uh, the bombings and the protest rallies in Kent state and all that, and all that, this was just basically random poetry that became an anthem for change that need that was needed so badly around that time frame and the live version of circle sky is definitely the way to go as far as this goes uh coming in at number eight 
this is going to be the first of a few solo Nesmith tunes that I'm going to be including on here. And I have to say, I'm not going to lie. I, I am honest when I say Mike Nesmith is one of my top three favorite country artists. And his work with the first national band, which was only three albums, or no, four albums, I'm sorry. Uh, you had Magnetic South, Loose Salute, Nevada Fighter, and Tantamount to Trees in Volume 1. That was the uh, that was the era of the first national band. But uh, And honestly, I always lean towards those first two first national band albums as the epitome of country rock. These two albums are the reason why you had the Flying Burrito Brothers and why Graham Parsons' Grievous Angel is so huge and so beloved to this very day. And you can even thank Mike Nesmith and the First National Band for the legend that is the Eagles. And if you really want to get into solo Mike Nesmith, look no further than Magnetic South and Loose Salute. And speaking of Loose Salute, my pick for number eight is Silver Moon. Standing in the lonely light of Despite only going as high as number 72 on the Billboard Hot 100, it actually fared much better on, believe it or not, not country radio, but adult contemporary, where Nesmith would have two top 10 hits, one of which I'm going to be talking about a little bit later on the show. But Silver Moon is basically Nesmith having fun. I mean, he's always been very good with words. Even though most of the time you can't understand what the hell he's talking about, Nesmith just knew how to write a good song just with everything flowing out of him. Silver Moon is catchy. It's upbeat. It tells a very good story. And much like the rest of Loose Salute, which has a lot of interesting, there's reworkings of old Monkeys tunes on here uh, with Listen to the Band, uh, Conversations, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I got to recommend Loose Salute. It is a damn good album. But Silver Moon, despite being the only single released off of it, it still stands out as the best song on the album. And it really showed what Nesmith was capable of. He seemed more comfortable uh, in his own skin, and specifically more comfortable with his time with the First National Band. And Boy, let me tell you about the First National Band. This was a great collection of musicians here, folks. You can't really, I, I can't stress enough how awesome this band sounded. I mean, let's let's dive into who was in Red Rhodes, a country legend himself on pedal steel guitar, John Ware on drums, John London on bass, and of course, Nesmith with, on vocals and guitar, naturally. This was a very cohesive unit. This was a band that really showed that they loved country music, that they loved music. And this was definitely a band whose members actually cared about each other. It's really a shame that the first national band only lasted four albums because these guys deserve a lot more credit than people have given them. And 
Unfortunately, the reason for that was because of the fact that Mike Nesmith was a monkey in this situation, which is unfortunate because he put out so much great material in the early 70s after leaving the band that the fact that most of it just went unnoticed is a damn shame. And Silver Moon really showed that if they if the first national band had kept going, I think we'd be talking about them a lot more than we would be talking about the Eagles. But that's just my humble opinion. I'm going to go with another first national band track as we move right along. Coming in at number seven from their debut album, Magnetic South, I went with the uh, absolutely fun toe-tapping two-and-a-quarter-minute tune, Mama Nantucket, and oh my God, is this a fun track. And this actually kicks off side two of Magnetic South. You have that intermission at the end of side one, uh, first national rag with Red Rose just going nuts on the steel guitar. And Nesmith going, oh, we'll be right back just as soon as you turn the record over. And then you get this kick-ass tune. Then followed the leader. He was sure would be a winner, but I had other things on my mind. I really, honest to God, love this song. I, this is one of my favorite tracks on Meg. In fact, I'd probably say this is my favorite, uh, one of my, probably my top two favorite songs off of Magnetic South and one of my favorite country tunes, if I'm really being honest here. Uh, I don't understand why country radio did not give these guys a chance because Magnetic South and Loose Salute really sounded like it belonged on that particular format. I mean, this you couldn't get any countryer on that album than Mama Nantucket, and it is just a damn fun track. And it really showed that Nesmith was not afraid to do a novelty tune. And with, I'm sorry, yeah, it's for two minutes and almost 32, almost two and a half minutes. It's just a fun toe tapper. It makes you want to go 100 on the on the freeway or on open. I'm sorry. Don't go 100 on the highway. It makes you want to go 100, 120 miles on open road. That's how awesome this song is. And uh, I'm not recommending you do it. I'm just simply saying it makes you feel like you just want to speed right along as this song kicks in. Uh, if you do, uh, please be safe. And hopefully you can thank me later after you listen to this podcast. I don't know what else to say about Mama Nantucket other than it's just damn good fun. And Nesmith can write a variety of tunes, somber to angry to just downright happy, which is what Mama Nantucket is. It's a happy tune. And, yeah, I'm, I'm also amazed nobody's covered this song yet. Maybe because they realize they ain't got nothing on Nesmith, sorry to say. Uh, let's keep on going. We're almost done with the first half. And this is going to be a controversial selection because most people would probably put this higher. And understandably so. It's a damn good song. Uh, but I have it at number six. And it's from Mike Nesmith's least favorite album of all time, More of the Monkeys, from 1967, Mary Mary. It's one thing I 
the odd thing, there's a couple of odd things about Mary Mary. I mean, it's a great song, don't get me wrong. Uh, but as you know, from listening to the Monkees episode a few weeks ago, Don Kirshner had a stranglehold on this band that uh, they couldn't play their own instruments, but they found some ways around that situation. Uh, as far as the recording of Mary Mary on that More the Monkees album goes, Peter Tork did play guitar on there, but they got a lot of help from the legendary Wrecking Crew from the legendary late 60s recordings. And for those of you who are not aware of the Wrecking Crew, man, oh man, that's also going to be another, that's another episode for another time because there were some very good musicians on here as well. Uh, James Burton, uh, Glenn Campbell. Yeah, Glenn Campbell's in the Wrecking Crew. In fact, he's the guy that plays that one part, in, that one guitar solo at the beginning that, yeah, that, that's Glenn Campbell's guitar. And you got uh, Al Casey, uh, Michael Deasy playing guitar, uh, Hal Blaine on drums, a legendary uh, session musician in his own right, Larry Nectal on bass. So it was a very, very eclectic group of musicians for that song. What's really interesting is... The Monkees were not the first ones to record that. This was actually first recorded and released by the Paul Butterfield Blues Band for their East West album, who turned it into a blues tune. And it it's really not a bad cover, not not a bad version of it at all. If you've never heard it, please give it a listen once you're finished with this podcast. Uh, never released as a single, with one particular exception. In 1968, when it was included as a free gift with a box inside a box of honeycomb cereal. Now, mind you, in 1968, the show had been canceled and had found a new life on Saturday morning programming uh, on CBS. So there was a whole bunch of stuff that the monkeys were part of. Uh, Post cereals, Kool-Aid, Nerf. It, just everything under the sun. And basically, they became hucksters for for TV commercials for Saturday mornings to appease the children. N nothing wrong with that. The commercials were fun. But that's pretty much what happened with Mary Mary. It wasn't even released as a single until they moved to Saturday mornings. And kids can get it from a box of cereal. That was pretty much the state of Mary Mary, but it was played on various episodes of that series during the first season. And just, just a damn fun song. I mean, Mary, Mary, where are you going to? I mean, come on. that's That song's catchy as hell. And yes, I know, I know, I know. Run DMC had a much bigger hit with that song than the monkeys did if by big hit you mean number 75 so for those of you that are wondering if i'm going to play the run dmc version mary mary why you bugging you happy now did you get that out of your system cool and yes props to run dmc there will be a random episode on those guys in the very near future but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm going to take a break, pay some bills, and when I come back, I'll have my top favorite Mike Nesmith songs 
of all time. Hang tight. Welcome back to Random Album Rankings. My name is BC, and this is my tribute to the one and only Mike Nesmith, who passed away last week. This is a random bonus episode where I rank my top 10 favorite songs of his of all time. Now, I realized when I talked about Instant Replay earlier and discussing the number 10 song, While I Cry, uh, I, did, I, I did mention that Nesmith did have three songs on the album, but only two of which he wrote, Don't Wait For Me and While I Cry. I Won't Be The Same Without Her was actually written by Carol King, who, as you already know, is absolutely iconic. So believe me, as much as I like that song, Nesmith didn't write it, therefore not on the list. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm also fun facts that I forgot to mention when I was doing the brief history and whatnot. Uh, you'd be surprised at some of the cameos that he's shown up in. Uh, the urban legend about him being in the 1968 horror cult classic Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I know people still have yet to confirm that, but there is one scene where there's a news news crew and people all getting lined up ready to take out the zombies. Mike Nesmith is in there wearing a cowboy hat, holding the shotgun. I am 99% convinced that is him on there. So the next time you see Night of the Living Dead, which is going to be awkward since we're approaching Christmas time and the holidays in general, uh, but if next time you see it, Take a look up for that one. Uh, a protester in the Oliver Stone film Born on the Fourth of July. He's definitely recognizable in that scene. And even showing up on the final episode of Portlandia as an onlooker. So Nesmith has definitely gotten around these last 50 years of his career. And it's just really so hard to believe that he's no longer with us. But the music and memories definitely live on. And this takes us into the second half as I approach the number five song on my list from the 1979 album Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma. This was one of the most, another example of one of Nesmith's groundbreaking video ideas. Rio may have been what helped propel the idea of pop clips and eventually MTV, but it was the video for this song that makes cruising a very iconic tune, not just for Nesmith, but in music videos in general. Rolling through the streets, looking for a disco, passing up the treats from a kid named Cisco, trying to make connections with their blemish food complexions, and just as fate would have it, ended up with Sunset Sound. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, the song's not actually called Lucy and Ramona and Sunset Sam, although it is in parentheses next to Cruisin', but I assure you the song is called Cruisin'. The video for it is definitely odd. It's two girls, Lucy and Ramona, rollerblading along Los Angeles, and they come across a blonde mustachioed dude wearing nothing but red trunks. And I know what you're thinking, but no. It has been confirmed from Mike Nesmith on the Elephant Parts audio commentary 
and the people involved during the filming of the video, it was not Hulk Hogan. No, it was not Hogan at all. It was, in fact, a lookalike by the name of Steve Strong, whose only claim to fame, aside from looking like Hulk Hogan, was he was also a pro wrestler, believe it or not. He held the NWA Hawaii Tag Team Championship with Jesse the Body Ventura. And after retiring from pro wrestling in 1988, he started an art career for himself. And uh, one of the most famous paintings he's done was a mural for, yep, you guessed it, then-Governor Jesse Ventura, which is hanging up in the state capitol building, inside the state capitol building uh, to this very day. It was presented as a gift during Ventura's inauguration in 1999. And, yeah, they remain remain friends to this very day. So that's kind of cool. So I'm a little biased as to why I have this song at number five. The video is odd but iconic, and it's just a funky song from start to finish that bass intro with the don't 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 just is phenomenal and nesmith just totally rocks out especially in the music video black leather jacket black leather pants just black leather in general and just clearly having fun this was mike nesmith in his zone here with music videos coming up around the corner he has broken out of the country uh, scene at this point, thus the funky bass intro that I poorly imitated. He went back to rock, and he was doing rock in his own right. Uh, Infinite Rider is hard to find nowadays, but it was quite popular on, on FM stations in the late 70s, early 80s, with songs like Magic and Tonight and even uh, Flying, which... If you are, if you pay close attention, classic rock stations play a seven-minute version, but on CD it's four minutes long. So there you go. But as great as Infinite Rider and the Big Dogma was, Cruisin' remains the highlight and the best song on the album, and I believe one of his best uh, rock songs from that era. When it comes to MTV, Nesmith is definitely one that needs to be recognized a lot more. And it's videos like Rio and Cruisin' that showed what a pioneer he was in music in general. And just, it's a good rockin' tune, and that's really all you can expect uh, from Mike Nesmith in 1979. This was clearly not your mother's monkey's music at this point. Speaking of Not Your Mother's Monkey's music, my pick at number four comes from his debut album, Magnetic Wait. Okay, I'm going to backtrack on that. That's Magnetic South is technically not his debut album. No, his first album was actually an electronic, uh, experimental electronic album called The Wichita Train Whistle Sings which is basically instrumental versions of songs Nesmith wrote. You have not lived till you've heard an electronic, techno-ish version 
of Sweet Young Thing. Yeah, good luck finding that one too. Even uh, Nesmith has refused to acknowledge its existence for the last 30 years. And from what I've heard off of it, I can't say I blame him. So I consider Magnetic South his official debut album. And of course, his first with the first national band. This would not only uh, give him his only big hit as a solo artist, but despite having so many top 40 hits with the Monkees back in the 60s, he was labeled a one-hit wonder in 1970 with my song at number four, Joanne. Her name was Joanne, and she lived in a meadow by Touched me for a moment with a look that spoke to me of her sweet love. Despite critics, radio stations, and even music lovers around that time kind of weaning off the monkeys, this song did surprisingly well. Number 21 on the Hot 100, but... Oddly enough, despite its country sound, it didn't chart on the country radio charts, but instead was a number six hit on adult contemporary soft rock. So amidst all the Andy Williams and Percy Faith and Elton John, Barry Manilow that was coming around the corner, there's Mike Nesmith in 1970 singing about Joanne with that falsetto voice with each with the last word on each line. It's definitely one of his best and absolutely uh, the best he sounded around that time frame in the uh, first national band era. And I have a little something I would like to share. What I'm going to play for you, uh, this is how this song has just absolutely stood the test of time. Uh, I have talked about this on the Monkees episode a few weeks ago, but I'm going to play a clip of Mike Nesmith from 2019 from the show that I attended with the Mike and Mickey show. Nesmith was, I believe, 75, 76 at the time of this. Yes, uh, so he was, uh, you know, he was, he had turned 76 at this point. And to sound that impressive as you're approaching 80 oh my god here's a clip of here's a little clip that i of audio that i took that i recorded from that show in february of 2019 in prior lake minnesota this is nesmith at age 76 singing joanne listen to the crowd too not just his voice but the crowd reacting to how smooth Papa Nez still sounded. And she lived in a little
you felt that, didn't you? You you really felt that raw emotion and the crowd just eating that up. Yeah, you did. That was definitely one of the highlights from that concert. And I can honestly say I am really glad I got to see Mike Nesbitt in concert. He seemed like he was having a lot of fun. I mean, I know in interviews and whatnot, he was talking about how he, his exact words were, quote, I am not a fan of the monkey's music. <laughs> Could have fooled me from how he was at the show, but just super nice to fans uh, the day the day of the show and just really soaking in the crowd and just really sounding like it was 1967 to 1970 all over again. And Nesmith's voice was definitely one of a kind, easily one of my top five favorite shows of all time that I attended. No joke. That's a random episode. Yeah, somewhere down the road, but not right now. Uh, I just Magnetic South is a damn good album. And Joanne is just one of the uh, best damn songs of that decade. And one of the best for Mike, for Mike Nesmith. Just absolutely beautiful, a very tender country ballad. I mean, this is what country music is supposed to sound like, folks. I'm just I'm just saying that. Call me traditionalist, but to me, Magnetic South and Loose Salute is the epitome of country music in the 70s, at least the early 70s. And the fact that he sounded just as good in 2019 as he did when the song came out in 1970. All the more so. And I have I can't really close out talking about Joanne uh, without uh, talking about the little parody he made in Elephant Parts where he uh, changed the words, uh, her name was Joanne, to her name was Rodan. And uh, camera drops down. Mike Nesmith is wearing Godzilla boots or Godzilla paws, shoe things, and just stopping over a fake... Uh, fake setup of Tokyo, Japan. It's kind of amusing, and I guess you have to be there or watch it on YouTube, or if you have it on DVD, props to you. Uh, check that out. Um, it's it's clearly a signature song. That is the epitome of a signature song as far as Nesmith goes. Uh, Joanne, not Rodan. Let's get that out of the way. I mean, he still sang it to this to in 2019, and he sang it up until his recent passing, a week ago so i mean joanne probably should be number one but this is my list i have it at number four there are three more songs left that i feel take top precedence so with that said let's keep moving right along coming in at number three is a song that he didn't even record himself until much much later in fact uh, this was written in 1964 and was recorded first by a bluegrass band called the Greenbrier Boys. Uh, he tried offering it to the Monkees during the TV show, and the closest we got to that was him playing a, a comical version of it where he played a shy contestant at a talent show. But it was the Stone Ponies led by a then little-known artist named Linda Ronstadt who took it all the way to number 13 and the rest was history for Miss Ronstad from Evergreen Volume 2 my pick for number 3 different drum you and I to the beat of a different drum 
You did not know that was Mike Nesmith who wrote that song? Well, now you do. You'd be really surprised at the number of songs that he wrote that you might have heard on radio in the past. But yes, Different Drum is a Nesmith composition. And it's probably, honestly, it, maybe it is a good thing that was never done on a Monkees album because I can't picture them doing that song. But Linda Ronstadt's voice just nailed it right out of the park. And it became her first top 20 hit. And, you know, she would go on to have that uh, nice career in the 70s and 80s, uh, getting an Oscar nomination, multiple Grammy Awards. And that documentary that came out a couple years ago, phenomenal. So that's basically all you need to know about Linda Ronstadt. Just phenomenal and definitely deserving of the accolades and love she's received over the years. And Different Drum is definitely one of my favorite songs of hers, but also one of Nesmith's best. So did Nesmith ever record it himself? Well, yeah, but it wasn't until 1972 when he recorded for his album And the Hits Just Keep Coming. Or, excuse me, And the Hits Just Keep On Coming, which is funny because it's not a greatest hits album. It was actually his fifth studio album. And his first after leaving the after disbanding the first national band, and uh, yeah, here's his version of it. No, I'm not going to play the one from the TV show. I'm going to play the one he recorded off of the album I just talked about. And I'm not saying that you ain't pretty. All's I'm saying is that I'm not ready for any person, place, or thing to try and pull the reins in on. It's a beautiful song, don't get me wrong, but between hearing Nesmith's version vocally and vocally between hearing Nesmith and Ronstadt, Ronstadt definitely wins this round between the two. Uh, still damn good song and one of the greatest of the 60s for sure. And yeah, it made Linda Ronstadt a household name and she would go on to have multiple top 40 singles. And she can thank one person for that, for jumpstarting her career. We're talking about him, Mike Nesmith. Now, we have I have one more song I'd like to talk about before we get to number one. We're almost there, folks. And this is one where I'm actually going to cheat a little bit. Because when I tell you what the name of this song is, I guarantee those of you listening are going to give me a collective, Huh? Because I promise you, unless you're a diehard Monkees fan, you have never, ever heard this song before. The first time I had listened to it was on the Listen to the Band box set release, which, which was funny because one week later, that song would show up on a B-Sides Rarities album that came out called Missing Links Volume 1. There's three different versions of that song on various discs. But I always, I'm going to lean towards the Missing Links 1, Listen to the Band box set version. My pick for number two, one of Nesmith's all-time great compositions that never went anywhere. I went with Carlisle Wheeling. In a long and involved conversation with myself, I saw precious things come into view. When I bore through the fire and taken off my metal shelf, 
again, Nesmith is just a master when it comes to poetry. And this was essentially a poem about an elderly couple who, uh, which the man in the relationship said, hey, I know I've been busy most of my our time together. I know it seemed like I didn't care, but every time I look at a picture of you, every time I go away, I do think of you. You're all, you've always been on my mind. You've always been in my heart. That's never going to change even after death. Just That's basically the long and short of it. Uh, as I said, there were three different versions that the monkeys had recorded, but I always lean towards the one that was uh, put on the Missing Links Volume 1, and here's why. Nesmith, with the exception of Peter Tork on banjo and the legendary Eddie Ho on drums, Nesmith played every single instrument on this song. He played guitar. He played percussion. He played the organ. Just another example. I mean, Peter Tork is a damn good musician in his own right, but Nesmith, this was Nesmith's baby from day one. And I really wish this could have been... He claims this was never really completed. If it wasn't, they could have fooled me because this could have been a great song. But we'll never know. Instead, it became a missing link on a missing links album. <laughs> Uh, he would recut it again, not with Davy, Mike, uh, Davy, Mickey, and Peter, but he would record it with the First National Band on the Loose Salute album, and pretty much turned it into a country ballad. And the results, well, it's not bad, but I'll give you a listen. Nesmith was just a damn genius. He a very innovative individual, an accomplished songwriter, damn fine musician. But there was just something about that particular version of Carlisle Wheeling. Well, okay, it was, I forgot to mention Loose Salute. It's under the name uh, Conversations. Carlisle Wheeling, I just felt, seemed to make sense for the time. And I will forever lean towards the Missing Links version because it sounded like it, it sounded like a full band project, even if it was just three people playing instruments and singing. I mean, Peter Tork on banjo, you already know, is an accomplished musician. This, I think, could have worked with a little more tweaking. But unfortunately, uh, we'll never know. But if you've ever listened to the Missing Links, uh, albums that came out there's three of them trust me one and two are definitely highlights but missing links volume one that's where you get the good version of carlisle wheeling so forgive me my dear if i seem preoccupied if the razor edge on you till love is gone but we're both a little older our relationship has grown not just in how it's shaped how it shows. 
before I announce my number one favorite Mike Nesmith song of all time, I like to run down a couple of honorable mentions, if I may. Uh, you've noticed that uh, talking about this list, there's not one song that's on there, and I'll tell you, the song at number one is not from my favorite Monkees album, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones LTD. However, I got to give honorable mention to Daily Nightly, as the Monkees would continue to evolve and experiment with different sounds. They were one of the very first to perform with a Moog synthesizer, and despite not being released as a single, Daily Nightly, written by Nesmith about protesting, especially in California, is definitely one that stands out. I talked about uh, Daily Nightly at length when I was doing the Monkees episode a few weeks ago. And even though it's not in my top 10 list, Daily Nightly deserves its honorable mention because it's just a damn good song and it's definitely one of the more mature sound, mature songs during their illustrious 50-year career. Speaking of maturity, a song that was included on the Missing Links Volume 2 album back in 1990, uh, I went with St. Matthew, which has gone through several different versions of it as far as recordings on it. If you've listened to the Going as far back as the headquarters sessions, he's been working on that on the song St. Matthew, which uh, essentially the character of St. Matthew is an angel coming down from heaven. That's the best. That is definitely the best description of it. And, oh boy, let me talk about some of the lyrics on here, if I may, because St. Matthew is another example. And I understand that what I'm doing is cheating because I'm, bringing up songs that not many people have heard of. I mean, she walks around on brass rings that never touch her feet. She speaks in conversations that never are complete. Just, that's poetry, folks. That is poetry. And then we get into uh, the second verse on here. She discovered three new ways that she could help the dead, something she must raise her hand to tell you what she said. Then standing in a landslide, she suddenly becomes a girl that's named St. Matthew when she is on the run. I mean, does it make sense? Uh, I, I guess, I don't know, but it's just an example of how uh, great of a linguist uh, Mr. Mr. Nesmith was back in the day. And he didn't write songs, he wrote poetry that was translated into music. And St. Matthew is definitely a prime example of his style of songwriting that's so famous. Uh, I also am going to go with uh, some of Shelley's Blues, which was also written by Nesmith and originally uh, done for, uh, was supposed to be for the Monkees, but wound up becoming a big hit on the country charts for Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And believe it or not, was also recorded by Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies. Uh, that uh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band would obviously have the bigger hit with it going into the top 20. And finally, I cannot talk about honorable mentions of Nesmith without talking about the song that invented the music video, Rio. Oh, yes, folks. Oh, yes. Yep, 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 yep. Rio... All seven and a half minutes of it, just 
was such a huge iconic moment is it would start the uh, trend of music videos that would be so popular in the 80s thanks to pop clips on Nickelodeon and then the MTV network itself. It's found on an album that is also hard to find, uh, 1977's From a Radio Engine to the Photon Wing. That title doesn't make any sense, but it's just a great song and just so, it's so mellow. And the video directed by William Deere, famous for directing the movies Angels in the Outfield and Harry and the Hendersons. I mean, this was definitely something special if you've ever seen the video for Rio. You can see it online. You can also see it on his website, videoranch.com, YouTube, of course. And if you have Elephant Parts on VHS or DVD, that's on there as well. Those are just a few honorable mentions. So it's time to announce my pick for number one, a song that not only wasn't even supposed to be a single in the first place, it wound up becoming the unofficial battle cry for the Monkees fan base. The year was 1969. By this point, the Monkees TV series had been canceled. Their movie Head was a box office failure and marked the end of their run as a successful band. And around the time they had a TV special that aired opposite the Academy Awards, we all know who got bigger ratings that week, or that day, I should say, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey, which was a dismal failure. And to top it all off, Peter Tork had quit the band. So the quartet was down to three, Nesmith, Dolans, and Jones. They would release two albums as a trio, and, and as far as that lineup goes, Instant Replay and The Monkees Present. Now, we fast forward to April of 1969. The band had released Someday Man, a song written by Paul Williams and sung by Davy Jones, which is definitely an underrated Monkees track, if I do say so myself. Well, it only got as high as number 81 because the band's popularity had been waning. But believe it or not, DJs who still played the Monkees insisted on playing the flip side, which would wind up becoming the first single off of the Monkees Present, and Someday Man would just be pushed aside until a Greatest Hits collection came out in the mid-70s. The song I'm talking about, the first single... And the highest, the last highest charting song of their career during their heyday in the 60s. My pick for number one, it is Nesmith's magnum opus. I went with Listen to the Band. Hey, hey, mercy woman, plays a song and no one listens. I need help, I'm falling again. Play the drum a little louder, tell me I can live without her if I only listen to the band. I mean, this could be argued by so many people, so many diehard Monkees fans, so many diehard Nesmith, Nesmith fans. I get it. But I don't think there's any competition as far as what Nesmith's best song is. Listen to the band if you really think about it, it's kind of sort of autobiographical. 
At this point, as I said, the monkey's popularity was diminishing. Partridge family were taking over. The Archies, a f another fake pop group, had the number one hit of 69 with Sugar Sugar. So you do the math. The monkeys were being pushed aside. And at this point, the only people that were caring about them were kids who were watching their show on reruns on Saturday mornings. But listen to the band just seemed to make sense. This was essentially, in hindsight, Nesmith's plea to fans, hey, we're still putting out music. We're not going anywhere. Please listen to us. And even diehard Monkees fans such as myself who defend this band, all I can say is, yeah, listen to the band, damn it. They have great music. And listen to the band really just seemed to make sense. Uh, let me, if I may uh, be so kind as to read a few lyrics for you let me see and and it's at this point it's repetitive but i mean just the first lines hey hey mercy woman plays a song and no one listens i need help i'm falling again let's be honest that's just secret code for hey we're falling off the charts somebody play our music uh let's let get the drums going Play the or the the actual line. Play the drum a little louder. Tell me I can live without her if I only listen to the band. I mean, it's secret code for hey, we're still here. Please listen to us. Although it doesn't, to, it sounded more pathetic coming out of my mouth. Nesmith had a suave style about it, and that's what made listen to the band and the monkeys' music so great, and especially. Nesmith's compositions overall for the last 50 years. And there are so many versions that, of this song. It's just so uh, unique. Uh, I talked about the TV special 33 and a Third Revolutions per Monkey. That is a trip. If you thought Head was a trip, I dare you to sit down and watch 33 and a Third Revolutions at some point. When you do, DM me on Instagram or if you... Uh, if you're a good friend of mine, listen to this podcast and decide to find it on YouTube or whatever, take a look at it. Let me know what you think and let me know if I'm wrong because that was, I thought that was trippier than Head was. And even with cameo appearances from Fats Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard, I still had no clue what the hell was going on. But uh, the reason I talk about that TV special is. That was what closed that special was a nine and a half minute jam session that included Brian Auger and the Trinity, which is a British psychedelic rock group that kind of sort of disappeared after a while. In fact, sp more specifically after that special took place, let's see the Buddy Miles Express. It basically went from a country tune to just is all out psychedelic jam session. And, well, yes, I have a clip of that for you. Why do you ask?
And finally, Mr. Nesmith himself decided to recut it with the first national band, an interesting version of it, a more country-tinged sound for his Loose Salute album. And I have to say, he really... Uh, he really yippee ki the hell out of this song for sure. And here's a clip of that as well. I should also point out he tried to do a country version of it with the monkeys. If you have them, if you've ever listened to the monkeys present, uh, special edition deluxe edition that came out a couple of years ago there are two different versions of listen to the band on there the single version which has the horns during the instrumental break and then there's a different version which featured the steel guitar sound which was so much better when done by red roads on the loose salute album so i'm glad the monkeys went with the brass on that one because that to me was what made that song so great uh, as I wrap up this episode, I just, I mean, you've, I hope I gave you a little bit of an education and what I felt stood out as some of Nesmith's best compositions. What's the best way to uh, pay tribute to him? Well, if you're a Monkees fan or Nesmith fan, you have two options. You could be that one weirdo who goes to Office Max and buys 12 gallons of whiteout. After all, his mom did invent whiteout. People still use it even in the age of technology. And Nesmith got an inheritance of that whiteout money for sure. So you could do that. Or if you've learned anything from this episode, if you really want to pay tribute to Mike Nesmith, I... I don't know what else to say except four simple words. Listen to the band. And just like that, another Random Album Rankings is in the books. But before I go, let's take one final look from numbers 10 through 1 for my favorite songs written by Mike Nesmith. At number 10, I went with While I Cry from Instant Replay in 1969, followed by Circle Sky, the live version, at number 9, Silver Moon from Loose Salute at number 8, Mama Nantucket, at number seven, that song can be found on the album Magnetic South. Mary Mary at number six from More of the Monkees. And in my top five, I have Cruisin' from Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma at number five. Joanne from Magnetic South at number four. Different Drum by Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies at number three. Carlisle Wheeling, the version found on Monkees Missing Links Volume One 
It's my pick for number two. And my pick for number one favorite Mike Nesmith song of all time, Listen to the Band from The Monkees Present from 1969. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album so that you can keep up to date on music news, future episodes, and everything in between. Listener support is definitely appreciated on this podcast as well. You can go on anchor.fm slash random dash album, leave an audio message, which I will play on a future episode, no matter how positive or negative it sounds. Positive works, but hey, you know I'm not going to turn on the negative stuff too. (laughs) And if you're up to donating, click on the listener support button to learn more. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. If you choose not to donate, all I ask of you is to tell your friends about this podcast and hopefully they'll tune in for a future episode. Until next time, my name is BC saying thank you, Michael Nesmith, for the music and memories. Your music will definitely live forever and you will be forever missed. Rest in peace, good sir. And goodbye. think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.